Hello, and welcome to ASMR Tirada de Huello. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, Dr. Andrew Michaels gives one of the most important presentations of his career. He must detail what he has discovered to those with the power to act on behalf of the human race. Gentlemen, I'm glad you could all join me today. We have a very uh, important subject to discuss. Yes, all the rumors you've heard are true. I was contacted by, for lack of a better term, alien races quite unusual and quite different than what we're used to. These races are sentient, advanced societies that have hidden themselves on Earth for thousands of years, staying completely hidden from human history. They are a breed of intelligent octopus that can mimic us by duplicating what human beings look like. They are masters of disguise. There is a hive-like bee creature that uh, cannot pass off as human. They stay very segregated into their little hive kingdoms that they have in a couple different places in, on the planet. There is an intelligent race of feline cat that are also not very human-like, but are very intelligent and have the ability, ability to speak. And last but not least, there are the marsupial humans that we discovered a few years ago. And as you might remember, they do look very human, can pass off as humans, but are very different, very different than us. These four races have a history on this planet of attempting to defend it from a returning true extraterrestrial invasion that happens every 30 to 40,000 years. And sadly, they have never been able to fend off these invasions or stop the ramifications from the invasion. All of this has pushed them into becoming very xenophobic, very self-absorbed with survival, very self-absorbed with prolonging their race's longevity and prolonging or preserving the history of the planet. We could learn an immense amount of information and knowledge and science from these creatures. And at the same time, they have dis discovered that they could learn a lot from us in many ways. The imagination, the drive, the curiosity 
of our modern primate species is very different than theirs. We live in a bubble where we think we're the only sentient creatures on the planet. And we also think there is or no real threat from outside our universe. Because of this, we think we're unique among the stars and we think the stars are here for us to discover, to conquer, to colonize, if you will. And this is not the case. The universe is quite full of different races of creatures that have lived quite a long time, longer than our own existence. And these races have controlled many of the livable planets in the universe that are known. Ours is not quite unique, but our planet is quite young, underdeveloped, and being used basically as cannon fodder in a larger universal war, if you will, between huge alien races. These races have chosen to use us as a pawn, to mock us, to use us as a trophy, to use us as cannon fodder for their entertainment. The races here never developed extraterrestrial interests like spacefaring and rocket development and leaving the Earth's atmosphere. They were always concerned with trying to keep their races alive on this planet. And to that end, things like health care, longevity, medicine, these were driving forces with their culture, within their sciences. They also developed their warrior culture, and these were extremely highly advanced fighting units that could try to defend them in need of war or in need of invasion. Our race is a little different than theirs. We don't develop members of our species that can blend in with others. We just use masks. We make them. We create devices that make us appear to be something else. We spy on people from a distance using probes and cameras and robotic technologies. If a human being wants to see far away, he develops a telescope and he can see far beyond the range of his eyes. And if he needs a bigger telescope, he builds a bigger lens. This is not the case with our fellow earthlings. If they wanted to see further, they developed a member of their species that could see further away, could hear better, could smell better, could fly faster. That's right. Some of these creatures can fly. But they never developed flight and rocketry and the devices that we have because they had no reason, no desire to leave the planet 
when they knew there was such hostile enemies above. Our ignorance, if you will, of the universe around us has allowed us the opportunity to be curious, innocent, exploratory in ways that other races were not given the same opportunity. I think we need to come together and realize there is a real threat to our existence. It's not that hard for the governments of all the peoples on this planet to unify for this common cause. We have unified in many reasons, in many ways, in the past, in causes of war and peace, to bring about the obliteration of diseases through inoculation, to stopping aggressor nations in great times of world war. It is possible for different cultures, different governments, different philosophies to be put aside for the common goal, and humanity is capable of this, very capable. I trust all of you sitting here with me today will think about the story I want to tell you now, a small analogy that might put it into perspective. Many of, of us in our modern world do not believe in global warming, for instance. We can't see it. We can't quantify it. We don't see it as a threat. We think there's other reasons the planet is warming up. We think there's other causes. We think it's just a cycle. We can explain it away in so many ways. Some people believe in it because they can see it. They see the causes. They see the ramifications of the actions of men on the planet. They see the changes happening quickly and at a frightful pace. And it bothers them. But what happens is our diverse, diversified opinions, not being able to agree on this, we've divided ourselves on the subject matter. And those who do not believe it don't want to spend money on it, don't want to finance it. They want to act like it doesn't even exist. When in reality, we know something is going on. And if it's a sun cycle, if there are major changes to our solar system with the sun heating up and the polar ice caps melting and receding, how long will this last? What happens if it goes in reverse and we have a cold cycle? Shouldn't we address these issues as a culture and a society and be prepared for either one? We talk about global warming, but we don't talk about what could potentially happen if it is just a cycle. There was a mini ice age less than a hundred years ago. There was the summer where there, there was the year without a summer where volcanic eruptions stopped the planet from having a summer in the Northern hemisphere. It's possible that if the earth is just going through cycles, throwing out all the other science. Shouldn't we as a society be prepared for these disasters, these issues? 
shouldn't we come together and have energy and food development and agricultural protocols in place in case of either one of these situations getting out of hand. Greenhouses, horticulture, could be developed to defend the human race and provide food sustenance for societies, with either case being the reality we face. Why should global warming only be the political hot potato between our our government and our people. What if we did fall back with our major populations in areas that never lived in these areas before? What would happen if we fell back like we did a hundred years ago into a cooling cycle and great fields of crops couldn't grow anymore that grow across Canada and the United States? What would happen if the United States and the Northern Hemisphere of Europe and Europe, Asia, and the United States experienced another year without a summer. How many millions upon millions of people would die? Sometimes you can't see all the threats around you, but you can see solutions. Solutions that take away the environmental tragedies that happen almost on a daily basis. Why can't we as societies build sustaining systems to protect ourselves from these disasters? And what if we do have a major volcanic eruption, a supervolcano? It's not like it won't happen. It can happen. And instead of spending money on weapons of war, wars that never come... Why don't we spend money on survival, on prolonging our species, on giving our species its best chance at survival? Some would say a great defense and a strong military is putting away tools for the future to protect ourselves. But that's just from a physical assault. What we're talking about are environmental assaults. Assaults you can't see, you can't predict all the time. You think you can, but you really don't know when or if or how the scales of the economy or the the environment will tipple to the point where you have just caused massive amounts of human beings to perish through starvation, through cold, through lack of heat, lack of energy. It's so simple. We have so many systems in place in case of the breakout of diseases. You know, you can't see a germ. You can't see it. But you know germs, bacteria, viruses exist. Because you were taught over and over again, you were shown the data. You were shown what these things do. You saw the ramifications of colds flus of infections. We've all seen it. We've all experienced it. We know it is a reality. You get infections. You get sick. You catch colds. You get a fever. Because of the commonality of disease and all of us experiencing and seeing it, 
we can all look to each other and say, yeah, I believe in germs. I believe in germ culture. I believe in germ theory. I believe in bacteria. I can believe in viruses. I don't see them. I've never seen one. But I know these things exist because it's been explained. That's why we get sick. That's why we get infections. That's why we catch colds. And that's why I had that fever. The earth can go through cycles of colds. The earth can go through cycles of having a fever. Of having an infection. Of having a disease. The races that have come before us understood this and put their money, their society's work, their society's wealth towards alleviating these issues amongst themselves. Our society has chosen an economy based on monetary scales. And sometimes we don't want to spend the money on things that may never happen, or at least never happen in our lifetimes. And we ignore these threats. If a huge asteroid was coming towards our planet, half of us would know and say, look, there's an asteroid coming. But if we pull our resources, we can stop it. We can divert it. We can protect the Earth we can monitor the earth so it never happens again. The other half of the planet will say, well, I can't see it. I don't think it's going to hit the earth. I think you're making it up. I think it's a conspiracy. I don't want to see it. I don't want to believe it. I don't think we should waste money on things that may never happen. And there lies the problem. You can't see it. You don't have an experience of it personally affecting you. So you don't think it's a real threat. We go through life sometimes with our heads in the sand. Just like the ostriches in those pictures when we were little kids. Seeing an ostrich stick its head in the sand and ignoring its problems. We thought it was so silly. We think it's so funny. And it stands for somebody who's ignorant of the world around them, burying your head and pretending nothing's wrong, nothing's going to happen, everything's going to be okay. But we know in life there are things we can't see that are going to come at us, from a tumorous growth inside your body, cancer, disease, ailments, accidents, there's always something around the corner that can put our lives on hold, hurt us, slow us down, make our lives miserable. You can't ignore your own fate. To live and live in this world, you have to go out and experience it. And in experience, experiencing this world, you're going to get hurt. You're going to fall down. You're going to scrape your elbow. You're going to scratch your leg. You're going to break a couple bones. And you're going to have a few accidents. And we all are going to make many, many, many mistakes in life. Making mistakes is how we learn. We figure things out. 
we go forward with our ideas, and then we realize we were not exactly correct. We made a mistake. But in making those mistakes, we can correct our path. We can correct our knowledge. We can go forward in a healthy, positive way. I ask all of you here today, do you think we're ready to join the world around us? Do you think we're ready to join the other races to fight for the freedom and benefits of this planet? This small blue marble floating around an oasis in the middle of a dark, cold, heartless space. What makes us unique and special? as human beings, is our innocence and our ignorance, our childlike eyes looking at everything and thinking we can decide it away, we can decide whether it has a place in our minds, our culture, and our society. It's not quite how things work. We can interpret and we can hope that things won't hurt us. But at the end of the day, we're just human, and we're breakable, and we're irreplaceable when we're broken. Do we make a decision today to join these people, to join their fight? Or do we vote our politics, our culture, our government, and vote away any chance at salvation? And the salvation I'm talking about is not saying, well, I'm right. There's something coming, and if we don't get on it, all hell's going to break loose. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Our salvation is in realizing that it's a big universe out there. Our salvation is bringing ourselves together and stop fighting over pettiness and politics. Start planning for the future and planning for a world that we can make better, safer, and preserve the longevity of our race and our culture as a whole. Will you join me today in voting for that? In voting for hope? In voting for peace? And when I say peace, I'm talking about peace of mind. That if a tragedy does come our way, you same people sitting here will be able to say, we have taken precautions, we have technologies and protocols in place. We have procedures for this. We are prepared. I, the politician was prepared. And I take it a step further. In being prepared, you win either way. You can say, the disaster never came, I always told you I was right. And you win. But if the tragedy comes, you can say, I never thought this would come, but because I'm a forward-thinking politician, I 
helped the government put aside funds to plan for this event, and we are prepared for it. Nothing bad will happen. I was right. In being prepared and spending the money now to safeguard our world later, you're on the correct side of history both ways. And you're a winner, not a loser. I was right. I backed this plan. I was right. It never came. But it doesn't hurt to put aside funds just in case. Luckily today, the price we have to pay is small. We need to develop our own warrior culture out of our best military soldiers available. We need to develop some new technologies, protective devices, and armor to allow several of our champions, if you will, join the fellow races in defending our planet. It's a small price to pay, a small amount of money divided amongst all of us and all the nations. Are you willing to take that chance today? I know I am, or I wouldn't be talking to you right now. We have very little time to argue and discuss and debate. We must vote soon. I await your vote. I await the outcome. And God be with us all. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. Remember to stay tuned for the next installment of this story coming soon. When you have a moment, please take the time to rate and review this podcast. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song Atlantis is by Jason Shaw of audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardohuello at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, Thank you.